Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. Uh, it's Viji here, and I'm joined with a really cool guest today. Her name's Noam, and um, you might have seen her on TikTok or uh, Instagram. I know she pops up on my For You page all the time, and so I'm really excited to um, sit down and kind of talk to her today. So with that, um, Noam, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. As Viji mentioned, my name is Noam. I'm a third and final year medical student um, from Ontario, Canada. You can also find me on social media at Noamar Wellness, like she mentioned on TikTok and Instagram. And basically, I talk all things student wellness, balancing work and life outside of work and mental health and all that good stuff. And super excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And in addition to doing all of that, Noam also has a podcast too. Her podcast is called the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. And so we can kind of touch on that too a little bit later in our podcast too, because we love having fellow podcasters. Mm -hmm. um, but to kind of get started. So I know you mentioned that you do go to med school in Canada. And so um, I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of hear about your pathway to medicine and just kind of how that differs for the United States. So, you know, starting from your undergrad, you know, how long was that? Where did you go? What did you study? Kind of just kind of walk us through your undergraduate experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went right from high school to undergrad. I did my undergraduate degree at Western University, um, which is in London, Ontario. And I went into my degree into a general science degree. And in second year, I, um, I guess, transitioned into a specialization in neuroscience, which is a bit of a separate program. And then I started med school after my third year. And I feel like this is where I get tons of questions from people from, because I don't think this is something that exists in the US, but it does exist in Canada. So you don't actually have to complete your full undergraduate degree in Canada to go to medical school. Certain medical schools will accept you after third year, as long as you have their prerequisite courses complete, you've done your MCAT and all those other requirements. Um, so that's what I did. So I only did three years of undergrad. I technically graduated with a Bachelor of Arts because I didn't actually complete my Bachelor of Science in Neuroscience. So that's the gist of it. Okay, yeah, that is um, really interesting. I think... Um, some schools do in the United States will let you apply if you finish those prerequisites. And I think you have to have at least like 90 credits or something like that. I don't know too much about it, but that's interesting that, um, again, that you were able to kind of go right into med school right after. And so, um, so you have that Bachelor of Arts degree, but then not that Bachelor of Science degree. Yeah. And I remember kind of worrying if that really mattered or not. But the second I got into med school, I realized people come from so many different paths, whether they were initially in sciences or kind of never in that field at all. Um, and obviously very grateful to have gotten after third year. So never complained about not finishing my undergraduate complete good degree to its completion. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, like you said, um, once you're at med school, people have um, all sorts of different experiences and paths that have led them there. And so, um, you know, I'm glad to hear that then, you know, hinder your mm -hmm. path in any way. But um, during your undergrad, what kinds of things that were you um, involved in? Were you really um, creating content while you were an undergrad student as well? Or did you kind of get more into that once you started medical school? On the, I guess, extracurricular community involvement sort of side, um, in undergrad, I definitely took a step back, I'd say in first and second year, I was super involved in different clubs and committees in high school, but then started undergrad and honestly just got so overwhelmed with the course load. Doing extracurriculars was just not on my mind in first and second year. I definitely kept up with some organizations that I would volunteer with a couple of times a week or a couple of times a month. 
Um, but it was only really in third year. So my last year of undergrad that I really started to get involved again in um, student life on campus, different clubs and organizations. And at that point, did a lot of student wellness um, on campus. So through Science Student Council, um, Neuroscience Society, all that kind of classic pre-med sort of stuff. And definitely really happy I did that and wish I started earlier, but at the end of the day, so is life. Um, and then in terms of content creation, I kind of had like a social media presence, not really. Like I think I had like a thousand followers. I had an account when I was in second year, which I later deleted and then only restarted in medical school. So it wasn't really something that I was doing, but it definitely has always been a passion of mine to kind of um, spread messages of wellness, mental health, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting to know. So that like, you know, in the first two years, you were really kind of more focusing on that score, getting adjusted to that, you know, college level class, but then in your third year, you were able to, you know, engage in some other activities. Um, kind of along with that, I feel like I, I've, I've seen this in one of your TikToks that you were talking about um, doing med school in three years as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was really interesting too. So if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. So again, I don't know exactly if there is this kind of option in the United States, but in Canada, there's, I think only two schools from the whole country that do this, but it's a three-year um, undergraduate medicine degree. So your MD degree, um, but essentially we just don't get summers off. We only get like two to three weeks off a year. Um, so it just kind of compresses the four-year degree into three years but you get the exact same degree at the end of it. Um, so definitely that also has sped up the process for me, which has been stressful at times, but obviously very grateful. Yeah, that's really interesting to know because I really haven't heard of many places that had um, that type of program. So, um, you know, with that, having that, you know, shortened breaks of only, you know, maybe two to three weeks off for the entire year, kind of condensing that curriculum into three years. Um, did you feel that that was like, you know, really stressful over the past few years or, have you been able to manage that as well? Or is it, does it feel like just kind of a, the regular, the rigor of radical, regular medical school? Um, just kind of, be, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think um, an extra layer to all of that is doing med school during a global pandemic, shortened things even more, created even more hurdles and stressors. So it's a bit hard for me to speak to it at the general level, but definitely from my experience, um, the pandemic started when I was in the middle of my first year. So it really has been like most of my medical school career has been during COVID, which is very interesting. Um, but it definitely does feel quick at times, but at the end of the day, I feel like all med school would feel this way. And I know that even if I did have summers off, I most likely would have been doing something like research extracurriculars at the time. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I'm definitely really happy with my program. And the other thing I'll say is it's also what you make of it. Like I definitely took my vacations as vacations and really took those two to three weeks off every year. I also found, um, electives that I could do remotely at times to kind of have a more chill few weeks when I felt like I was burning out. So it really is what you make of it at the end of the day, but I'm definitely really happy with my program. I think it's a great option for people who, um, yeah, are looking to kind of speed up their MD, but either way, one other year isn't a big difference either. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, um, for sharing. So a little bit with that, how does that kind of look like with the breakdown of medical school? Were you, were you doing like one year preclinical and then two years at a hospital or what was that? What did that breakdown look like? Yeah. So it was about a year and four months preclinical. And then that would leave like a little over a year and a half of clinical clerkship. 
Um, this, the clerkship part was a little bit shortened for myself by like a month because of COVID. Um, we just got pushed back from getting back into hospital. So it's, yeah, it's kind of split down the middle almost. Okay. Okay. So that is really interesting that to hear about, you know, that type of format, I'm glad you felt like it really hasn't, um, you know, hindered your experience in any way. I'm kind of moving um, a little, looking into the future a little bit. What does that, you know, residency application process look like for Canadian medical students? Because I know the U.S., you know, you have to take USMLE for MD or the Comlex, and then, you know, you're going through the whole match process. So kind of walk us through what does that process look like in Canada? Yeah, for sure. So it's pretty similar overall, but some, some differences. So I know that in the US there's like step one, step two, so on. We just have one um, kind of board licensing exam that happens at the end of med school. It's called the MCCQE. Um, I think it's pretty similar to step two from what I've understood in terms of content. So we just take that after our degrees finish. Um, but if you're a Canadian medical student applying to Canadian residencies, that score isn't considered for your residency application. You do need to pass to kind of move on to the next stage of training, but the test is taken basically after you're already matched to a residency position. So a little less stress on that exam, but you do still, of course, need to pass and have the knowledge to progress into residency. And then in terms of the residency application process, again, pretty similar to the US where there's this kind of um, matching algorithm, best match system, which is super scary and kind of leaves things in the unknown, but it is the standard in medical education, I guess. Um, so I'm right in the stage right now of submitting my residency applications and then interviews happen in about a month. And then similar to the US, we rank and then there's a best match system and so on. Okay, well, um, definitely a lot, Wes, wishing you the best of luck with that um, process. Hopefully you do match into your um, top choice. Um, with that, what specialty are you um, planning on pursuing? I'm applying to family medicine. Okay, yeah, well, good luck. I hope that, um, you know, works out awesome for you. But that is interesting to know that they do a similar process with that, you know, match system. Uh, but it's also interesting to know that there's only, um, you know, one, major exam that you have to take. I feel like that definitely helps to reduce cost, time, pressure, things like that. And so um, mm -hmm. it was really interesting to hear, you know, how the systems differ. Um, do you have any plans of, you know, practicing in the U.S. in the future? Or do you think you want to stay um, more in Canada? That's a tough question. I feel like it's hard for me to think so far down the line when, like I mentioned with the residency process, I don't even know where I'll be in July, what city and what province in Canada. Um, definitely everything's on the table, but I love Canada. I love the Canadian medical system, all for universal healthcare. So I think it'll be a bit hard for me to leave that. Mm -hmm, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, there are a lot of perks to um, being over there. Um, kind of um, shifting a little bit, I wanted to talk about um, a lot of the content that you create. I know you have a really big focus on wellness, you know, mental health advocacy. So I wanted to know, you know, what, where did that interest, you know, come from? You know, what was your motivation for really, you know, wanting to be a content creator? That's a great question. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I kind of fiddled in the whole social media space. When I was an undergrad, I would post like healthy recipes and workouts and stuff that I was doing myself in like second and third year. But then I deleted the account because I was like, this is, no one's looking at this, this doesn't matter and whatever. Um, and then in my first year of medical school, I decided to kind of restart my Instagram account first. That's what I started with. 
for a few reasons. I think one of the reasons was definitely that I just wanted something outside of school to put my energy into something that wasn't necessarily a line on my CV, wasn't research, wasn't extracurricular, something I just enjoyed um, and was passionate about and also a creative outlet in terms of taking the photos, creating healthy recipes, that sort of thing. I felt like I was really missing that because med school can definitely be very all-encompassing and you're surrounded by a lot of like-minded people. So I really just wanted to broaden my perspective. Um, The other reason I started the account was I quickly realized once I was in medical school that we weren't really talking a lot about preventative medicine, about the importance of lifestyle factors like nutrition, movement, sleep, stress, all that kind of stuff. We definitely mention it in lectures in passing, but I remember in my preclinical years, we only had one lecture on nutrition and it was optional. And that really stuck with me because um, from my personal experiences, as well as research I was doing, I knew how important that this can be to overall health and preventative medicine. Um, So I started secondly for that reason to advocate for those things, both for people, um, I guess, outside of medicine or one day my future patients, but also importantly for medical trainees themselves, medical students, residents, and physicians, because we all know how um, honestly terrifying burnout rates in medicine are. And really the lack of that conversation amongst the student themselves, um, people glorifying missing sleep and skipping meals. Um, So it really came twofold. It was really advocating for holistic health and wellness for, I guess, future patients, Um, of course, never giving medical advice, but also advocating for the students themselves Um, so yeah, those are kind of the three reasons I started my platform. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, those conversations are important to be have, um, in medicine, especially like you said, with burnout rates, you know, super high that I feel like, you know, we're, um, in medicine, you're taught about how important sleep is. And, you know, you want to tell your patients that are eating a balanced diet, but sometimes it's hard to incorporate those own things in your life. You know, when you're so stressed or don't have enough Mm -hmm. time or feel like you're always just, you know, studying for the next exam and things like that. So I think it's really important that, um, you know, we follow those things and it's awesome that you were able to kind of use your platform to share that message. Um, with that, what kinds of things do you do in your own life to try to maintain, um, that balance and, you know, maintain overall sense of wellness? For sure. I think Definitely in undergrad and also early in med school, it was all just about like how much I could study, making sure my grades were kind of as best as they can be. And like, that was the only priority. And I got to the point where it's not that that's no longer a priority, but staying well, staying healthy, mentally happy um, is an equal priority for me as well. So that means maybe not studying every single hour that you can, but also taking that time to yourself and self-care can look different for everyone, but For me, it's really just movement, making sure whether it's like rigorous exercise or even just a walk outside that I'm moving my body, definitely getting fresh air. Um, Other things I really enjoy and find really beneficial are journaling and mindfulness through other spheres like meditation and so on. Um, And finally, just again, making sure I have something outside of my schoolwork. So even now, um, as social media kind of gained more traction and not that it necessarily became a job because it is something I'm super passionate about, but became something more formal that I was doing, had more obligations with. I found um, new outlets and hobbies that were, I guess, non-productive in a sense. So really just making sure that you have places to go to completely unwind with no stresses. Um, and if you don't have any hobbies, start exploring different things and finding what you're interested in because life is so much more than your job title and your side gigs and so on. 
Yeah, that's really, you know, awesome to hear that you've, you know, been able to, you know, incorporate those things, incorporate those things into your daily activities, making sure that, um, you know, we make time for things that are important to us other than, you know, our careers, especially, um, I know in the United States, especially, um, it's a very, you know, work hard, the gr grind don't stop type of environment where it feels like when you are spending some time doing something that's considered non-productive that you know that's wasted time but you know trying to get rid of that mindset that um you know all of those things are just as important as well and so um yeah, another, for sure. a question I had is you know obviously with medical school you know kind of how do you you know make time to do you know to create you know to record a podcast episode and develop that or you know to post something on Instagram or TikTok you know um you know, how do you keep that separation and make time for studying as well? Yeah, I mean, the cheesiest answer, or maybe not cheesiest, but the one that is very straightforward is just time management and finding the skills that work for you. So for me, it's scheduling my days out in advance, always kind of having my to-do list, um, and also just gaining um, strategies to be more effective in whether it's studying or creating content. So for example, with studying, just finding study methods that work for me and that I can learn the same amount in the quickest amount of time. So less so um, handwriting out notes like I used to do in undergrad, but more so active recall, flashcards, practice questions, stuff like that. Um, and then in terms of also time management for other things, like for social media, for example, filming a bunch of TikToks in one day. So I have them to post for the week if I know I'm going to be busy, um, finding little pockets in my day where I'm kind of sitting doing nothing to be either editing a quick video or doing some flashcards on my phone. Um, so really just finding those strategies for efficiency is, is huge to, to make the time in your day because we all have the same 24 hours in the day. It just depends what we do with them. Mm -hmm. I think that really kind of connects with the name of your podcast that you are not too busy. <laughs> so I think um, it is important to realize that, again, we do have that time. But and I, I like that motto that you are not too busy. I saw that a lot of your episodes, you'll kind of name like you're not too busy to do X, Y, Z. And so I think that's really awesome that you also kind of live by that philosophy as well in your everyday life. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, starting the podcast itself, I wanted to start one for so long and I kept telling myself that I was too busy to start one. And that was really the, um, the first inspiration for that name was just that I'm not too busy to start the podcast. But then I also realized that everything I talk about really falls under that line as well. Mm -hmm. No, that's really um, kind of good to know. So I guess this kind of relates back to what we were talking about earlier, but also this conversation as well. Um, with your like residency applications, if that score... Um, you know, it's kind of not something they use into consideration. What factors, you know, do they really look at? And so, and how do you, um, you know, build time in for those things? In terms of, yeah, what's on the residency applications, I assume it's pretty much the same as in the United States as well. So it's just all your clinical rotations, feedback from your preceptors on those, um, as well as all your extracurricular activities, research, community involvement, um, publications, presentations, all that kind of stuff. And then of course the interview as well, where they um, see more of, I guess, your personal character. And then some residency programs also have like situational judgment tests and stuff like that in terms of ethics and so on. So it really varies program to program, but generally all those same categories. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like, um, you know, definitely really similar in that type of sense where they're looking for that, you know, holistic view of, you know, recommendations, um, 
performance in clinicals as well as that research and publication. So um, kind of with that, do you know, are you involved in any research or like, especially, you know, with, you know, mental health or anything like that? Yeah. So with research, it was something that I never really got involved in before med school. I feel like that's a question I get a lot as well from my followers is how to get involved in research. I haven't done any research by fourth year, which I do. And to, I guess, calm anyone's nerves, I did not do any research before medical school um, because I honestly thought that I was interested in research for the longest time. I always thought of research as just like wet lab research. And I never really enjoyed lab and chemistry. I was more, always more of like a big picture person, a little bit, a little bit less detail oriented. Um, but once I started med school, I realized that um, the way people, I guess, treat you in research changes, at least that was my experience. So I feel like an undergrad, it was kind of just like begging for research positions. No one really answered your emails. If you did join a project, it was often busy work and so on. But once you were in med school and whether this is correct or not, I found that people really valued your insight and opinions a lot more, which was really cool and more opportunities to kind of spearhead your own projects and really innovate existing projects and so on. Um, so I started getting involved in a lot of qualitative research, definitely around student wellness, kind of examining the existing wellness curriculums within medical schools. That's a project I'm working on, as well as mental health um, for the broader population. So I'm also doing some research actually on social media's effect on mental health, which we all know it does have a big one. Um, so it's been really cool to tie my passions in and outside of medicine to my research, and then as well explore other research avenues as well that are maybe a little more niche to medicine. But yeah, so overall message is don't be discouraged if the one type of research you're seeing done and you're seeing being done in undergrad isn't for you because research can mean so many other things as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's really cool that you're able to integrate that interest that you had in, you know, student wellness into your research as well as into the um, content that you produce on social media. And I think, you know, all of that really makes you, you know, a really well-rounded candidate. So um, I'm sure that you will do awesome in the future. Thank you so much. That's so kind. And uh, the confidence boost I needed. So thank you. <laughs> um, so we're kind of getting close to the uh, end of our conversation here. But before we go, I wanted to ask if you had to give kind of some, you know, biggest piece of advice to students um, at any point in their um, medical journey, you know, what would you have to say to them, you know, from everything that you've learned so far? probably the cheesiest piece of advice I'll give, but I'll expand on it a little bit, is to truly just be authentic to yourself. Um, I think there's so much pressure when you're pre-med and in medical school to fit this stereotypical mold, to check all the boxes, like I mentioned, of you, oh, you have to have research, you have to be involved in exactly this type of club and on. And not to say there's anything bad with this type of stuff, but there are so many pre-med students, there are so many med students, and what's gonna set you apart isn't being exactly like everyone else. Um, really take your own narrative. And if you have authentic reasons to be pursuing medicine, if you're really passionate about the field, that's what's going to show. And that's what's going to make you a great physician, not being a cookie cutter um, stereotype of everyone else in your class. So um, yeah, just be yourself. Don't, don't feel the need to take advice from everyone. Um, do things your way and it'll get you farther, at least from my experiences and in my opinion. No, that's definitely um, a really important thing to keep in mind always. So thank you for touching on that. 
And um, with that, that kind of brings us to the uh, end of our episode. Again, Noam, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time out of your day to join me and, you know, share your experiences and your advice with our listeners as well. And so um, have a good rest of the day. And again, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun.